listeners. I'm so excited about this next podcast with my friend Clark. It's a bit different than some of my others. It's raw, emotional, unscripted, and imperfect, of course, as you'll hear once you start listening. It actually took me back to a particularly hard time in my own life, but it's also just an amazing story of resilience and love. Now, I know it's one of the longest I've done, but if you'll just hang in there with me, towards the end, when Clark's wife, Carrie, unexpectedly starts talking, she sort of steals the show with her honesty and vulnerability. So I hope you like it, and let's jump in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins podcast, a podcast that is focused on spreading a message of encouragement, grace, and authenticity with a focus on life, leadership, and service to others. Today, I'm so excited to be here with Clark Roberts, a longtime friend of mine and the executive director and founder of Ultimate Vision, a nonprofit that teach, teaches people of all ages that life does not stop when adversity occurs. Clark is an inspirational public speaker. He travels to corporations. He goes and talks with kids and just spreads his message of hope and encouragement. And the other interesting thing that Clark does is extreme sports. But there's a kicker. He does it all blind. So I'm so excited for you to talk with Clark today. And I'm also here with his wife, Carrie, and his seeing eye dog, Aurelia. You'll get to hear a little bit about each of them. But before we jump into the interview, Clark, welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. I am super excited, Sam, to be here and get reconnected, longtime friend, and just all of that. But um, yeah, it's super to be here, super to share little bit about who I am, what I do, and how life just continues no matter what happens in and around and through you. Well, that is the truth. And so before we jump into the interview, will you tell us just a little bit about yourself? (sighs) A little bit about myself. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm married, have a gorgeous, beautiful wife. We've been married for 20 years. We have two kids. Our daughter is... 19 and a sophomore at Central Washington University. Our son and daughter-in-law are about to make us grandparents for the first time in September. And uh, when I'm not out working, I love to be out playing. Well, we can't hear, wait to hear more about both of those things today. <laughs> I'm so, like I said, I'm so happy you're here. And um, before we jump in, I was thinking it would be fun to tell everyone how we know each other because we have known each other for a very long time. Um, and so I thought it'd be fun just to talk a little bit about how we first met and the role that you certainly have played in my life and my family's life. Um, Super. Yeah, so we'll so, talk about it. So, so I met you and your family because of your dad. Yeah. Um, your dad at the time was losing his eyesight. And he found me through a article that had been featured in the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, and he called me up one day and he goes, this is Clark Roberts. I said, yeah. Is this Clark Roberts who was in the paper? I said, yeah. <laughs> He says, you think it would be possible if I come talk to you sometime? I says, yeah, sure, that'd be cool. He says, what about today? <laughs> okay. So he came out, he sat down with me, and we, we talked for about three hours, and we started building this re- relationship as he was walking through 
the process of losing his eyesight mm-hmm. through cataracts. Yeah. And one of the things that I kept harping on him about, Kimball, you need to bring your family and come over mm-hmm. and have dinner some night. Yeah. And your mom was hesitant. Yeah. But I kept calling and being persistent, and it finally happened. <laughs> And so you and your sister and your mom, your dad came over. We had dinner and you sat in my living room and asked questions. And Kimball, your dad asked questions. And I remember even after that, being at a, at a men's retreat, one of my very first men's retreats that I was invited to. And as we're sitting at this table early morning outside waiting for breakfast, Kimball goes, he says, your dad goes, he says, so Clark, he says, I have this fear, this fear that I'm never, ever going to be able to work again. Mm-hmm. And I says, what do you want to do? He says, I want to do exactly what I've been doing. He says, what's that? He says, I've been being a headhunter. I says, well, why not? Mm-hmm. He says, Clark, he says, I can't access the computer. I says, hold the phone just a moment. I says, what if I told you that you could you can, and if I can point you in the direction of some people that can assist you, would you be all in? He says, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I mean, I was able to assist your dad and to help you and your sister and your mom come to grips with knowing that just because there's blindness, that life doesn't stop. Yeah. It was a, you know, I remember meeting you so vividly and I, because it was actually the first time in my life, I was 16 at the time and it was the first time in my life I had ever actually spoken with a blind person. I had never been close to a seeing eye dog and I remember just being enamored (laughs) by your seeing eye dog and, um, and you basically sort of walked us through, you know, how you live and, and some of the things that we could expect yeah. um, with my dad's blindness. And I think it's interesting when you point out that my mom was resistant at first. And I think there was, you know, it was all rooted in fear. It was like, right. okay, this is happening, but right. we don't really want it to happen. And this is going to change our lives. And And as you know, it was life-changing for us it it was a time but I think you know I don't know if you know this but part of the reason that my dad found you um through the newspaper Mm -hmm. was that he had a very good friend that when my dad um knew he was going to go blind his friend called him and said I want you to go out and find a blind person that is successfully living a joyful and full life And I really feel like God just brought the two of you together because what are the odds back then? There's no social media. There's not a lot of marketing. You know, he was going blind, so he really wasn't necessarily sitting and reading the paper. And so how is it that, you know, suddenly the two of you were brought together? So I just... God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just... God connecting the the two of us and then allowing us to build that relationship and spend time and get to know your dad and to get to know uh, you and your sister and the whole family and just to be able to come alongside and support and to show you that life doesn't stop. I mean, yes, it might have to be done differently. Yeah but it can still exist. Yeah. Well, I know during those years, you gave him so much hope. I mean, for being able to 
support his family and being able to um, still, you know, move forward and find joy in in his blindness. Um, and you know, as mm-hmm. as you know, as a few years went by, about four years went by, and he right. did end up getting his sight back, yeah. um, which was a, a miracle and exactly. and amazing. And in that experience changed our family, changed me um, profoundly forever, you know? And so I think we're going to talk more about um, what you've learned, some of the lessons you've learned. But before we do that, can you just share with people how long have you been blind? And can you take us just on a a short um, summary of your your journey? (sighs) Yeah. Um, Let's just go backwards, okay? Yeah. Uh, I turned 65 in October. Um, when I was 18 and a freshman in college, I received the news that I have a disease known as retinitis pigmentosa and that I was going to lose my eyesight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave me a timeline of 15 to 18 years that that was all going to happen. A slow, progressive degeneration. Within the next Five, five and a half years, it was gone. Mm. Um, I was mad. Mm-hmm. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was depressed. But more than that, I was probably scared. Mm-hmm. Scared because I didn't know how I was going to interact. I didn't know how I was going to live I didn't know even if I wanted to yeah. live because my concept of blindness was somebody who really didn't get to do a whole lot mm-hmm. and that didn't excite me at all I was an individual who loved to go outdoors and go do things and I'm like thinking it's all getting taken away mm-hmm. and the one thing that I go back to is as sitting in the doctor's office in Pullman, Washington, as I listen to the doctor tell me that I'm losing my sight because of retinitis pigmentosa, I said, okay, doctor, I'm sorry. There's one area you do not get, and that was my downhill skis. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how, I didn't know if, and mm-hmm. I didn't know if I could. And I didn't tell anybody that story. I didn't tell anybody my dream. I didn't tell anybody my desire. A year later, my sister comes banging through the back door of our house, letting me know, Clark, I've met an instructor up at Bogus Basin. He can teach you how to ski with your ear eyes closed if you really, truly want to learn. And I'm like going, whoa, <laughs> now I've got this whole boatload of information yes. that's just been dumped in my lap, and I have to make a decision as far as what I want to do with it. Next Saturday, we're up skiing all day long, and at the end of the day, my sister goes, Want to meet Jack? I want to meet Jack. I'm thinking to do Jack. But I went in and met him. And he says, Clark, he says, here's what I can do. It's going to take five private lessons. You pay for the first one. And the next four are on me. I can teach you how to do this. And it works. And I still get to go to the mountains and ski. Mm. Maybe not as often as I want to, mm-hmm. but I still get to go ski. That's amazing. So what would you say are some of the 
the biggest lessons that have come out of your blindness? Biggest lessons. Probably the biggest lesson is trust. Mm. I have to trust every single day. And if I don't trust from the moment that I climb out of bed, I'm not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. I have to trust my dog that my dog is going to get me from point A to point B Mm -hmm. safely. I trust the barista when I walk into my local coffee shop that they're going to get for me exactly what I've ordered. Mm -hmm. And I have to also trust that they're going to give me back the right amount of change Mm -hmm. for what I've given them so that I can put it back in my wallet so that I can use it the next time Mm -hmm. when I come in there. I have to trust all the little things that I have set up in my house and in my office so that I can function. So, But it's trust, 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 trust. Mm Mm-hmm. Every single moment of every single day. So how do you do you do that? Because I'll tell you, I, I told you this before when we spoke. Yeah. I have a hard time if my children say, close your eyes, and they want to walk me somewhere. Okay. I feel resistant. I feel nervous. I want to know where they're taking me and yeah. why. Um, and I think in general, our, our nature is to probably, especially because of how society can be today, Mm -hmm. our nature is to, to not be as trusting. And so I think it's really remarkable that you trust, um, and how do you get the courage to make the choice to do that? I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, look, as far as being able to break it all down, looking mm-hmm. at it as far as going back to mobility training mm-hmm. with a white cane when I was in the early stages of mm-hmm. my blindness. Because they put me under these blindfolds, mm-hmm. gave me this long white cane, and you start to learn how to walk with it. Mm-hmm. And it's not the fact that they say, okay, you're going to go for a three-mile walk today. Because that would be stupid. (laughs) But you just learn how to first walk down the hallway. Yeah. And then you learn how to walk around the block. Mm -hmm. I have a younger brother who has Down syndrome. So being in and around people that maybe society might say are a little bit different from the get-go mm-hmm. but the fact of, of trusting the fact that life continues life goes on and you have to trust people people in business don't do business if you don't have a certain amount of trust for your customers mm-hmm. or the people that you're interacting with on a whatever level that it is if you have no trust you're not going to do anything yeah and for me, not trusting, I don't get to go do anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sit in my house and not mm-hmm. go do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's, a, that's actually, it's a simple um, sort of aha, but it is just the truth, right? It's exactly. like you can choose to trust or you can choose to sit and not do anything. Exactly. So I think that's, um, that's a really cool perspective. And I, 
I also, one of the things that we've talked about before is just, um, you know, your ability to form relationships. And I know I spoke about how this lesson, you know, was something I think I learned from my dad through his blindness, but Mm -hmm. just the whole, um, you know, when you don't have sight, I, my own sort of idea is that you also have a more difficult time sitting in judgment of someone else. You're not looking at their appearance. You're not Mm -hmm. looking at their possessions. You really are just really intentionally focused Mm -hmm. on their voice and interacting with them. And you're, you're probably also not checking your phone every couple of minutes or, you know, looking at texts either, right? Because you're not, not seeing them. And so I wonder if you can just talk a little bit about the, um, the lessons that you've learned about forging relationships with other people through your blindness? Because of not being able to see the physical exterior of a person, when I meet people, I'm not physically checking them out as far as oh you're too tall you're too short you've Mm -hmm. got crooked ears you you know you're you're missing a tooth I mean whatever it might be Mm -hmm. but it's getting to really truly know the person that's inside Mm -hmm. there are so many incredible people that you never ever get to know because you don't see the person interior yeah. inside you shake hands with them you maybe have small conversations you have meetings maybe at church business whatever mm-hmm. but you don't get to know the person who's in here mm-hmm. their struggles their feelings their laughter their joy Everything that's built inside of them. One of the things that we teach to kids as we go into schools is the fact of teaching them that each individual has gifts, talents, and abilities, and that they're being made special. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody take that specialness away from you. But it's the fact of inside each individual there are those gifts, those talents, those abilities, and maybe, yeah, you're too small to play on a football team. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you don't have abilities and gifts that can go be done over here in something that you maybe even haven't ever thought about. Mm-hmm. I love that. And actually, let's let's talk about you and talking with kids for a little bit. So, as I mentioned in the um, in the introduction, you started the Ultimate Vision, um, a nonprofit. And actually, can I just read the mission for everyone before we talk about it? I love it. it. So the mission is to inspire others to see in new ways, educating and motivating all ages to celebrate their differences. We give the gift of compassion, kindness, and confidence, teaching all to reach beyond their limitations, learn to overcome challenges or adversity, and live a life that is full and rewarding. I, I, I can't even tell you how much I love that mission. So tell me what compelled you to start it. 
what compelled me to start it? Well, I, I've, been, I've been speaking since about 1992, walking into high schools, middle schools, and higher grade levels of, of elementary kids doing that since 92. That was one of the things that God just kind of brought me to and allowed me to go share my life, my story, and to help others, others understand that life doesn't stop just because of challenges and adversity. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't have the ability to get down in underneath younger kids. So after being married, having a wife, having kids, having a supportive, wonderful wife, (laughs) I had written a book, and my wife had taken one of my books to a friend of ours who runs a preschool. And she's in there, and all these kids are introducing themselves to her, and Carrie's just like going, wow, we should have Clark come in here. And as she's leaving... She calls me up and she says, we're writing a children's book. And I said, what's this we and in what time are we writing this children's book? Oh, don't worry about it. It's already done. Okay, so things just started from that point forward, Mm -hmm. having us going in and starting to talk to preschool up. Mm -hmm. Out of that, as we interacting with more and more schools and school districts and and all of that, realizing that the budgets for education continue to keep getting cut, and but it's one of the things that they still need done as mm-hmm. far as people coming in and teaching these students that there are aspects of their life that are not getting taught through books and classes right. and requirements. Yeah. And so we formed Ultimate Vision as a nonprofit corporation to be able to go into schools, whatever the grade level from preschool up to Mm -hmm. high school, even into colleges, to help others to, to understand that we can give them the gift of compassion and mm-hmm. kindness and confidence and help them to be celebrated through their uniqueness and doing that all through and because of my gift, my gift of sight loss. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I, I just love that you have committed really now, you know, you said you're turning 65. So, yeah. I mean, it, you, you started to go blind when you were 18, yeah. correct? I mean, yeah. so that's a lot of years that you have continuously chosen to be optimistic, to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And yet I can see it's um, emotional, you know, and, and yeah. I think it's, it's really amazing um, that you are using your gift of blindness, and first of all, that you call it a gift. I mean, that itself is sort of, it's very counterculture, right, to yeah. how we all um, function or think about things in today's day and age. And so the fact that you can talk about it as a gift and that you have committed to being such an example to these kids, you know, one of the things that I um, I really love the most about the mission is the words compassion and kindness. I think that is something that um, 
I want to spread in the, my podcast is helping mm-hmm. to people to feel optimistic, to feel hopeful, to feel loved, um, and that there is compassion and grace out there for them and that they'll show it to themselves yeah. Yeah. and show it to other people. And so I think it's, um, it's really amazing the way that you are just being a vessel for that message that we so desperately need more of. Yeah. So tell me, um, this is a um, sort of a side note to when you go and speak with these students, but tell me, what's their reaction to your seeing eye dog? Oh, they love the yeah. fact of having the dog yeah. in, in in the classroom, and it, the big, the you know the thing that this the challenge is we walk in, and immediately they want to be hands-on yeah touching the dog (laughs) and being all over her and doing all of that yeah and you know that's that's one of the things that can be a challenge right actually working yes but the thing that we do especially with preschool through up through second grade is we make an opportunity for these students at the end to extend and to share their gift of kindness with me. Because if I walk into a classroom, preschool, kindergartners, second graders, I could walk into a very quiet classroom. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if anybody's there (laughs) if they don't, first of all, say something. Right. But here's how they get to be my friend. We give them an opportunity to come up, shake hands with me, introduce themselves, and then ask this important question. Hi, my name is Carrie. Hi, Carrie. I'm Clark. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, too. May I pet your dog, please? Yes, you may. Thank you. I love it. and, And with that gift of kindness, Yes. they then are given permission to interact with my guide dog. And it's interesting. She can be very calm, collected Mm -hmm. when all of these kids are interacting with her. And then the teacher comes up and does the same thing. And then she gets completely squirrely wiggly. Oh my gosh. It's like as as if I know that you're a different type of person. Yes. You're you're a grown up. Yep. That I can act in a whole completely different way. Oh my way. gosh, that is funny. Well, she is very well behaved. She's just yeah. being so, so good while we're recording and she's darling. And, um, I just, I remember when I, even as a teenager, I was enamored by your seeing eye dogs. And so I just, um, I can tell it's a very special relationship. It and is. so one more question on that note, when you get a seeing eye dog, Mm-hmm. Do you trust each other right away, or does it build over time? It is something that you have to build. Yeah. Because each dog, and I've now had six, mm-hmm. each dog, even though it could be same breed, mm-hmm. don't have the same mannerisms. Mm. But the biggest thing is you never know from the time that you grab a hold of the harness handle and give that first command to proceed forward, you don't know how that dog is going to shift gears. Right. Some of them shift gears slowly. 
some of them go from first gear to fourth gear without doing second and third. <laughs> right. So you just never know how it's all going to happen. Yeah. But yes, you have to build the trust. Mm-hmm. You build this confidence that you're going to allow this animal mm-hmm. to assist you to get from point A to point B, wherever that might be, safely. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, that you have to work on. And it takes about four to six months when the time you come home from, from first inter- getting the dog to build a confident mm-hmm. team to work together. So, yeah. so it's sort of like any any other relationship yeah, in exactly. our lives, right? You've got to build the trust. Exactly. Just, um, you got to work at it. Yeah. Well, I... Um, I just love it, and I love the message that you're sharing, and I want to jump into a little bit your love for adventure. <laughs> so let's talk about, can you tell us what sports have you done, and What's, which are your favorites? Because okay. I've seen a lot of pictures of you doing a lot of things that even I haven't done. So okay. Okay. give us the lowdown. Let's start by being totally, completely out there. Yeah. I have been skydiving and want to go do it again. Um, Horseback riding. Mm -hmm. Whitewater rafting. Mm -hmm. um, Swimming. Water skiing. Snow skiing. Tandem bike riding. uh, Wrestling. Uh, what am I forgetting? Hiking. Hiking. Ropes course. Huh? Ropes course. Oh, I've been on ropes courses. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your tops? What What are your favorites? What are my favorites? Snow skiing. Mm-hmm. Water skiing. Mm-hmm. Bike riding. Yeah. Horseback riding. In fact, you just did the Seattle to Portland, I right? just did the Seattle to Portland for my 10th yep. time. Oh, for your 10th time. My oh, tenth my gosh. Time, well, it's 206 miles. Yep. Uh, we had a couple challenges mechanically, but we yep. did get it done and completed. Uh, I'm hoping, well, I'm not hoping, I'm preparing a team to go next year because yes this year it was just myself and my captain. Yeah. Um, Amazing captain. P- what? Amazing Captain. Amazing so Captain neat. Jacob, Jacob Kimmerer, who made it possible for that all to yeah. happen in his story and himself. Uh, but the plan is next year to take at least a team of 10 others with yeah. us. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, it is an inspiration. And I, every time I look at the pictures or read any, um, any, you know, coverage, my dad sometimes will send me news coverage of you and, um, Anytime I read it or see the pictures, I think, okay. So for anyone (laughs) that is struggling right now and being afraid, wasting time being afraid of something, this is definitely a call to action. So I I love it. And actually, we should tell everyone what we're going to be up to on Saturday. So we are, do you want to tell? Go for it. Okay, so we are going up to Radar Lake, which is a man-made private water ski lake in Redmond, Washington. And we've got the lake for the day, and Clark and Carrie are coming up, and we are going to take Clark water skiing, which I am really excited to see. 
and I am probably more nervous. Clark does not seem nervous at all. Um, but I keep trying to imagine water skiing with my eyes closed, and it's just really unnerving. So it's, I'm so it's, excited it's, about it. It's trust, Sam. It's trust. It's trust. Apparently, I need to, to, to work that trust muscle more. Well, we're really excited. It's going to be so fun, and I just think it's such a great lesson to um, to just everyone in life and, and kids and adults that are hesitant about something. And I, I love one of the things you spoke about earlier, just you had a choice. You exactly. could get out there and trust exactly. and do things or you could not trust and you could stay home and not do things. And exactly. I think that is such a great way of looking at it. And I, the last topic I would love just to, just to touch on, and it wasn't necessarily something we planned beforehand, but I have just, I want everyone to know that, you know, as I mentioned in this room today, it's Clark and his wife, Carrie and his dog, Aurelia and I, and watching the two of you interact. I know Carrie wasn't necessarily planning on being on the podcast, so I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but just watching the two of you interact is just such a beautiful thing. I noticed every single thing from the moment you got out of the car and carry the way that you were describing even the table that we're sitting at to Clark and the beauty of it and the wood. And um, I gave Clark and Carrie each a couple of imperfect hearts and just they, Clark was feeling the hearts and they're both very different. And Carrie was describing the hearts and I just, um, I can tell it's such a beautiful partnership. And I think it's so wonderful to see that I mean in a marriage but also just um no none of us got to where we are alone you know and just knowing that people have been placed in your life to help you continue to move forward the fact that you have such a full life with children and a loving wife and um you know and do these adventures I just the whole thing it's very beautiful so I just really want to um, want to call that out on compliment. And the other thing that I want to call out is that um, I want to ask you two how you met. We it met on a, we met on a blind date, <laughs> <laughs> and every other date since then has been a blind date. Um, we met actually. I was working for our church, mm-hmm. and Clark was trying to contact the youth pastor, which is always a, a task because. Anytime he would call, the pastor usually wasn't there. He was yeah. out with the kids. And so we would have maybe a one to two minute conversation on the phone and um, hang up. And just over that short little time, I came to know that I was going to marry this man. I hadn't met him. I didn't huh. know him. I just knew that he loved life. He loved the Lord. And he had a fantastic sense of humor. Yeah. I would have to hold the phone away from my head when he would laugh. His, his laugh was so full. <laughs> and so I went into our associate pastor and I just said, hey, I said, you know, I'd like you to bring Clark in and introduce him to me. I think that mm-hmm. we need to meet. And um, Bill Keogh, who is a very good friend of Clark's, um, Pastor Bill, he said, he said, well, he's blind. Does that matter? And I was like, nope. Mm-hmm. For those reasons, I already know that he loves yep. life. He loves the Lord and he has a great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew. And that was, um, that was in July, August of 98. And to, sh- to shorten the story, I mean, we basically, we went out September 12th, and we talked about marriage that night, and he proposed October 30th, and we got married April 3rd of 99, uh, and we just celebrated 20 years. Oh, my and gosh. So it's, it is it is amazing. 
it was very natural for me to step into a role of using my gift of gab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's my, my gift. <laughs> That's I, your gifting. I, I verbally yep. process um, yeah. very naturally. And when we met, Clark was actually um, transitioning Toddy, who was, I believe, the guide dog that yep. you got to meet, uh-huh. his German Shepherd. He was transitioning Toddy out. And so um, Toddy was going back for retraining. And so during the time, the very short time that we had together, you know, just in a very, very short courtship that was very fast, we he didn't have a dog. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately was like, okay, hey, Bill, what do I do? And and Pastor Bill was like, he goes, just be who you are, Carrie. Mm-hmm. He says, this is this is what's supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. And it was very natural for me to walk and remember my left from my right and sometimes get it wrong mm-hmm. in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, trying to remember, it's like, okay, wait, my left, his right and everything. But, but it was very natural just to look at the surroundings and to describe things and... And um, I was a single mom, and I had this incredible eight-year-old son who just fell in love with Clark and would wrestle with him and would try to figure out how this guy who can't see is able to shadow him and find him. And and Clark just stepped into that role of being a father immediately Mm. and was the most incredible, loving, giving, unconditionally loving father from the get-go to Jacob. And, um, And then, you know, when we got married, then a year later we had Rebecca and and our lives, you know, our lives have been incredible. They've, they've definitely, like you said, you know, yeah. the trust journey, the understanding um, that it's not necessarily that fun to have a father who is blind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to my children's heart cry when they would say, it kind of stinks. And I said, yeah, guess what? Dad Aww. thinks it stinks too. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. Yeah. Because I want you to know if you've not noticed that there's a lot of dads out there that love their kids but aren't able to come to all of their events, I'd like you to see who's out there and who you can mm-hmm. hear yelling the loudest of oh. any father. And he may not be able to see you. Oh. He may not be able to see you, but every parent here knows how much he loves you because they can hear him mm-hmm. yelling in the stands, you for football, and then Rebecca later for all the different activities she did in a track. And... I said, you know, every parent, the imperfection wins. Sam is just so right on because our parents are not perfect. Mm -hmm. We are not perfect. And we try our best, but we can't always be at everything that our kids do, even though our heart's desire might be to do so. Clark constantly tries to make sure that he shows up. Mm -hmm. And, and And if it doesn't matter, it's like people are like going, I know he's here, I can hear him somewhere. And his love comes out in everything that he does. And listening to you today, it just makes me realize again how blessed I am to be married to this man and to be a part of his journey and how to meet the people that have been in the wake of that, that have inspired his life Mm -hmm. and that he has inspired and to realize that you have made a difference. And I've known that from day one. Yeah. But you've made a difference and you continue to make a difference all these years later. And um, it may not be perfect, but man, we're trying. <laughs> and we're having so much fun. I cannot wait to yeah. become a grandmother. Mm-hmm. And um, I cannot wait to do this next journey with Clark and our children's. I mean, we're empty nesters, but we spend all of our time in schools and farmer's markets yeah. and educational summer camps and and just trying to make a difference. Yeah. And share that little, you know, I love it. The other day somebody said, it's like we throw con- kindness confetti everywhere. Oh, I love just, that. Just trying to embrace that and, and yeah. remind kids and adults that we have a choice. Yeah. Exactly. 
we may not be able to choose if someone's kind to us but we have a choice about being kind to them yeah and that is a huge thing and it's very important to remember that Clark chooses every day to get up and to trust and to get out there and to make a difference and we all need to be doing that same thing I could do a whole podcast with everything that you just said it was beautiful and just amazing and so right on and um you know I know this is it's interesting I think this is an emotional podcast for all three of us right because there's so much history here and and it brings me you know seeing Clark again and talking with Clark brings me back to a time in my life that was it really transformed and, and shaped me in um in some ways probably really shaped the work that I'm doing now, you know, and, and what's important to me now. And um, I feel it, at the time when I was a teenager, I um, I hated that my dad went blind. I, I, was, I was angry. I was frustrated. I mm-hmm. didn't think it was fair. I had all of these emotions. I spent a lot of time busying myself um, you know, and sort of running from it and saying to myself, you know, well, my life's not going to change. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to be with my friends. I'm going to sort of, you know, yeah. try to maintain on the outside mm-hmm. so that I look the same as everybody else, but on the inside and what was happening at, at home was quite different. And so I think, um, you know, now just being an adult and, and also pausing and taking the time to do this podcast, to reflect um, and think more deeply and intentionally about some of the things in my life and and struggles um, and how I came to be and sort of what my mission is moving forward. I think that now I can confidently say, you know, I'm grateful for that experience when I was that age because Mm -hmm. it really did shape me and I think it helped me um, be resilient. It helped me. Mm-hmm. It certainly built it built my faith at a time when a lot yeah. of kids are really questioning their faith. Yeah. You know, I I saw literally feel like I saw miracles before my eyes. You know, yeah. people, you know, checks showing up for us to pay our rent. Clark coming into my dad's life. My dad miraculously starting a a business being a recruiter from our house I remember he had he couldn't see the computer but he had a computer he was on the phone in one ear on a headset Mm -hmm. and the computer talking to him while he typed in the other Mm -hmm. ear I mean it is amazing and um it wasn't easy but he did it and I think um, he did it because he found hope and support in people like Clark. And, and those are people that I really believe God placed in his life to yeah. keep him going. And so I just, um, I'm so grateful for all of the, all that you both have shared and Carrie, thank you so much for being willing to speak on the podcast and, um, and Clark for everything that oh, you've absolutely. shared. And I, I, it is exactly in line with my own message and my own heart. Um, and I just really hope that people listen and are encouraged. And like you said, it, it is, we have so much choice, yeah. you know, and, um, and I think that is something that I try to re- remind myself mm-hmm. every day. I have so much choice about how I show up mm-hmm. today 
and um, and I want love to show you know through my actions and my words every day through how I connect with people and build relationships and I know that obviously for the two of you that's so important too so I'm so grateful that you were here today oh, and Clark as you know we always end with a quote and I know you have a great one so will you share it exactly our accomplishments in life are not measured by our abilities or disabilities, but rather by our willingness to try. Yes, I love it. Just be willing to try. Exactly. Right? You don't have to be the best. Nope. Just be willing Just to try. Be willing to try. Yeah. Knowing that you are going to fail, but when you do, you pick yourself back up. Yeah. And you try, and you try, and you try again. Yeah. I love it. So, Clark, how can listeners get in touch with you? They can get in touch with us by checking out our website at ultimate-vision.org. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, They can contact us via phone, Mm 425-891-9008-email-ultimate-vision-at-live.com. Wonderful. And I will post all of that on social media. And... um, I just hope that you all got a great dose of inspiration from this podcast and please don't hesitate to reach out to me on social media. Don't forget to like and share this podcast. And that is a wrap for today. So keep on letting your light shine and we will catch you next time. And until then, have courage, be kind and give yourself and others grace.